Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for nearly a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. On this episode, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to the conversation. Now, it's widely acknowledged that our health and well-being are impacted by far more than the medical care we get. And I always say that, look, I care a lot about what my doctor says about my health, but in a good year, I hope to be in the clinic exactly once, just for a wellness visit, and only for about 10 minutes. That's a good year. In the other 364 days and 23-plus hours in the year, there are a bucket load of factors that can either improve or deteriorate my health. Now, one big factor is how I behave. So do I engage in healthy behaviors such as eating a well-balanced diet, being physically active, and not using tobacco or other substances? I like to think that I'm a fairly healthy person. I mean, I'm on the treadmill most days. And I have access to nutritious, fresh foods, and only on occasion do I have a cheat meal. But it's important to recognize that engaging in healthy behaviors is a lot easier for some of us, particularly me as a white male, than others. Now, my half hour on the treadmill is not interrupted with the worry that my electricity might get shut off. I don't have to think about whether I will have transportation to get to the grocery store or whether I'll have enough money to buy groceries after paying rent. I don't have the social and economic needs that impede my health that many Arkansans do. Now, while more people in the healthcare space are taking action to identify individual and family social needs through screeners and other mechanisms, and to connect those folks with local resources to address urgent concerns, there's a lot less action on what we at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement call zip code risk, or those social determinants of health. Social determinants are those systematic or systemic forces and policies that have an impact on the health of a people in a community. The conditions in your zip code, where you're born, grow, live, work, pray, and age, Influence access to quality education, work opportunities, stable and safe housing, and clean water and functioning utilities. So, while it's important to identify and address immediate and urgent needs of individuals and families, it's also very important to look upstream and address the systemic factors driving those needs in the first place. So, To help us do a deeper dive on this topic and unwalk things for us, we have as our guest Tamika Edwards, a fellow lawyer and currently the special advisor to the CEO on diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement at Central Arkansas Water. Now, prior to her current role, she was the executive director of the Social Justice Institute at Philander Smith College, and before that, she was in government relations with Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families, during which time we worked together 
on some fantastic health policy issues. So, Tamika, good to see you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to see you as well. And great introduction. Oh, that was beautiful. 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 Well, thank you. Now, we're going to get to the serious stuff, okay? But before we do, I have to know what 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 gets you going when you're not at work? Um, so I would say my family, my husband and I have been together since the 11th grade, the end of the 11th grade. Wow. At J.A. Fair High School, which is no longer, (laughs) but, um, we've been together that long and we have two children, a seven year old and a nine year old, and they keep us on our toes. And so, you know, the thing that we do outside, we play dominoes, we play space, we spend time together and (laughs) COVID has, um, really helped shine a light on the need for us to stay connected. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I do. And Absolutely. sleep every now and then. <laughs> you got to get some yeah. sleep to make every those things happen during the right. day, right? Yeah. Uh, so now I asked this of, of all of our wonky guests, and I, I talked a little bit about what I was listening to recently mm-hmm. in my last episode, but when you walk into the boardroom or you walk into the, the Capitol, mm-hmm. What would you say would be your theme song that's playing in your head when you walk into those spaces? So picture Beyonce wind flowing, okay? And depending on the way I wear my hair, I may have an Afro puff or, you know, (laughs) some braids or something. So, But just picture that wind blowing. But Alicia Keys, Superwoman. So for a reason, okay, um, because at first I was like, that's kind of, you know, vain to think of myself (laughs) as Superwoman. However, thinking about the lyrics of it, I think it's most appropriate. And I'll just point out just one piece. And it says, it's the first line, everywhere I'm turning, nothing seems complete. I stand up and I'm searching for the better part of me. I hang my head from sorrow, state of humanity. I wear it in I wear it on my shoulders. Got to find the strength in me. Yes. And I am Superwoman. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Love some Alicia Keys. And she, you know, yes. tickling the ivories, too. She's just multi-talented. All right. So all the fun stuff. We're going to get into some more fun stuff, just mm-hmm. a little more serious stuff. So tell me a little bit about your current role at Central Arkansas Water, why you enjoy what you do there, and how it relates to all of your previous work throughout your career. So it's a long title. <laughs> um, but it's the long title means greater responsibility. So my role at Central Arkansas Water is a new role. And most people are like, why is that role even in the water industry? But it's the external and internal approach. Externally, we need to be thoughtful about our customers, our vendors, and just overall corporate responsibility mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we are not only providing the best most exceptional water because Central Arkansas water tastes wonderful, but also water is essential to our businesses, to our daily chores, you know, at home. And so that's our external piece. The internal piece is in order for us to provide quality service and quality water, Mm -hmm. we must know what our internal workings are. Um, Do we have the appropriate policies and practices in place for our employees to every single day get up and be the to do their best 
and do the work that they need to do. So it is ensuring that we have a diverse workforce, mm-hmm. that um, that diverse workforce is being treated equitably. You know, so we have um, equity worked into our policies and practices, as well as inclusion. So mm-hmm. inclusion, not in the sense of is that person sitting at the table, but does that person have a sense of belonging? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that camaraderie, that opinion, if your opinions are being valued and being taken. And so just making sure that we have those um, appropriate controls in internally right. as we do seek to um, have our resp- responsibility. I, I, I really appreciate the, the, the inclusion piece of that and how that has has advanced over time from just being a what we what we thought before was just a seat at the table Correct. or or even just a voice mm-hmm. That's to, right. to really ensuring that they they feel like they belong That's at the right. table. And at UALR, UA Little Rock, I've spoken with the dean um, and she's also a sociologist, uh, Dr. Sarah Beth Estes, and she talked about JEDI, right? J-E-D-I, hmm. justice, equity, diversity and inclusion. Hmm. And so I was like, oh, Jedi, do I have a wand? She just something? did a mind trick on I you. I mean, that's what I'm saying, right? So, um, you know, and even when I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, the end goal, of course, is justice. And mm-hmm. so in that Jedi example, right. the beginning should always be justice. And so it's just that's an great. interesting way of thinking about it. Good. Now, in my intro, I mentioned some of the systemic factors driving social needs that impact health. And you have vast experience in your career uh, in finding solutions to these issues. So from your standpoint, what are some of the systemic factors in Arkansas that, if addressed, could have the most impact? So if addressed, I think racism mm-hmm. and poverty will have um, the the biggest impact, right? Because we tend to shy away from these conversations on racism, mm-hmm. and we think that racism was way back when, except we don't realize what has happened even in modern history with the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Right. And initially, that Civil Rights Act looked at um Segregation, 1965, dealt with voting rights, um, and then latter, am- later amendments of the Civil Rights Act included disability mm-hmm. and LGBTQIA rights, and all of these various rights that we now enjoy came at the foundation of ensuring that Black folks had equal access and right. equal opportunities, right? And so there is a saying, and I'll just paraphrase it or I may mess it up. But the gist of it is if you take care of your most marginalized individuals, you take care of everyone. And so I think if we deal with our issues of racism, which has been baked into our American system, right? So we, um, Richard Rothstein wrote The Color of Law Mm -hmm. in talking about how these policies have created such division and these governmental policies created such division. Redlining and such. Absolutely. And so that's the first racism. But then it builds over into poverty. You mentioned earlier about zip codes Mm -hmm. and how we don't have access to certain kinds of things. And, And when you're impoverished, you are thinking about surviving. So the notion of thriving doesn't even come into 
the picture because mm-hmm. every single day you're thinking, I just need to eat or right. I just need to pay this bill. or, And so when we don't think about what racism has played into economic justice, then we continue to make laws based on personal responsibility right. instead of what that historical lens has taught us about what we're dealing with in today's um, term. So I think if Arkansas fully addresses racism mm-hmm. and poverty, we will see huge a huge positive impact in our state. And I think, um, you know, w- w- zip code risk can sometimes be a euphemism for um, for marginalized communities and, and communities of color because right. of the redlining issues and the and the historic segregation that we've seen. Um, people just live in those certain zip codes and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and race often gets attached to that. That's right. And even though laws have changed, practices and traditions have not. Right. And so when we think of our 400-year history of racism in this country, while we have changed from Jim Crow to civil rights to whatever amendments, the understandings and practices continue to move from generation to generation. And the important thing that I like to point out is addressing those two things will ultimately lead to better health and well-being. Correct. And we, so I always like to leap That's back right. to that. So. That's right. Um, which takes me to the next question. So we often hear about uh, the iron triangle. I use it in my health policy class with my students, and I've used it in my decade at, at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. Mm-hmm. And this is the idea that there are trade-offs in healthcare among uh, the, the three corners, mm-hmm. access, quality, and cost. Right. Meaning, uh, for example, if you want a better quality, well, it's probably going to cost more, which might lead to more limited access for folks. And then you have to perhaps subsidize that, mm-hmm. that access. So I've recently seen the concept of justice mm-hmm. applied uh, in framing how we look at the Iron Triangle. So how does this framing affect how we make policy decisions about the Iron Triangle, access, cost, and quality? So I want to back up even to the definition of justice, right? It's just behavior and just treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing to point out is that the United States is 15th in um Public health care and Canada, our northern neighbor, is number one. And so I think maybe the shift in the question should be, are we willing to give up power and privilege in order to have a just mm-hmm. health care system? Right. Because if Great we're question. not, <laughs> if we're not. Better question. <laughs> but if because if we're not, a, if we are not addressing what we're willing to give up, then we will continue to have conversations as to why folks are not having certain types of access and it's mm-hmm. based on cost. It's the will of our elected officials to say this is a priority for us because so many other um, civilized or Western civilized countries um, have been able to provide this service for their their constituents, right? And so are we willing to give up our power and our privilege to make people a priority? And I I don't recall where I heard this. I think it was was at a conference where we were doing some invest health work on community development and how that leads to health. Mm -hmm. But the phrase was, um, every ounce you give up in power and privilege, you gain in dignity. 
Absolutely. And that has always right. hit hard with That's me. That's right. That's right. Um, and I think it encapsulates that that right. really well. And so even in terms of cost, when we think about um, the cost it takes to provide services for people who don't have access to them, I think it all evens out, even if we really analyze what, you know, is it costs more to take care of sick individuals than mm-hmm. it does for uh, people who are healthy, which is why we're seeing so many incentives, wellness incentives, mm-hmm. because that's the recognition. And so if that's the understanding, why wouldn't it be a better investment to ensure people are healthy? Yeah, yeah. So we're still living in the middle of a pandemic yes. here and even in this small room. Yes. Um, and while there might be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with mm-hmm. the potential of the vaccines, right. um, the pandemic has, without question, I think, disproportionately affected low income and marginalized populations and communities of color. Mm-hmm. So what is you? Th- what do you think is driving these disproportionately higher rates of poor outcomes, including mortality from from COVID-19? So I think it goes back to the initial question of what would be the positive impacts. And I think if we address racism and poverty, right? So an example of the poverty issue, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article for Talk Business and Politics that addressed poverty Mm -hmm. and how Poverty is not just a financial issue. It is access to networks and to information and to exposure, Mm -hmm. right? And so we often look at marginalized individuals, low-income individuals, black people, and I'm doing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and wonder why they didn't just do a thing. But history has taught us that we have conditioned individuals to not do certain things types of things or to act a certain way. And so when there is this fear among black folks, and I'm speaking black folks um, particularly because in the American South, we usually deal in black and white. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at the fear that um, is around that particular demographic, then we understand the historical concept of why that fear is there. Mm -hmm. Because in other times, um, folks were not able to have access, or when they had access, it was poor access Mm -hmm. or, um, or poor care. And so I think that we're continuing to see that because many black people may not trust the system. Yeah. You know, and if a black woman says that she is in pain and no one believes her, it is the history of pain for a black woman means that black women have a high tolerance for Mm -hmm. pain. And so if I am in pain and I'm telling you, it's just like uh, it really doesn't matter. And so I think that's why we're seeing those high rates. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we're seeing people who just don't trust the system and trust the healthcare system now to, to get treatment. Correct. And I'm going to throw another question at you. Mm-hmm. So looking ahead, when yes. we start to talk about vaccine uptake mm-hmm. rates and the disproportionate effect in the community from, from COVID-19 yes. and the fear that's associated with uptake of vaccines that, you know, um, I, I think in the media at least has been um, played as somewhat um hastily uh, Mm -hmm. approved, but hopefully we'll go through the rigorous and scientific process that it's supposed to. 
we know that vaccines have been an issue for mm-hmm. communities of color. Yes, yes. The Tuskegee experience. Right. Yes. And and history again mm-hmm. comes back uh, right. and bites us when we could have addressed it and we didn't learn our lesson. Because we won't address it, and yeah. that, and we just won't say it. This impacts that, and when we say it and genuinely try to eliminate it, alleviate it, get rid of it, whatever, I think then you will see some trust restored. But as long as we continue to put a Band-Aid over it, we'll see the same outcomes. Got to change it. Mm -hmm, We do. Absolutely. So um, in the middle of all the pandemonium from a global pandemic, uh, we've also seen one of the most powerful social justice movements in a long time. Yeah. What has been the effect of these two things, the, the pandemic and this broader social justice movement, coming together at this moment in time? So the pandemic forced us to stay at home. The racial unrest that what we witnessed on television forced us to recognize that we've not dealt with mm-hmm. race in this country as we should have. And, um, and the pandemic has forced us to slow down to see what's happening. Now, there are several things that have happened as it relates to police reform in several countries, I mean, several cities throughout our country. But I'm not certain how quickly things will continue to move as we get, as we continue to move um, farther away from, you know, the pandemic and mm-hmm. people are moving about and yeah. maybe not paying as much attention. So I would say to um, to the pandemic and the social unrest, the racial unrest, is that we have the best time in this country to address an issue that we continue to gloss over. Mm-hmm. And we need to say the names, we need to say the words that will help us move to a different space and place. One thing I am so proud of and I admire is the relentlessness of young people during this time. I believe their decision to not accept status quo has gotten us to this place because they have questioned systems in a way that we wouldn't have done ordinarily. Yeah. And so that questioning has um, forced us to challenge our own assumptions and forced us to recognize that race is a huge factor, many of us. Mm-hmm. But it has to also go to our decision makers because if they don't believe that race is a factor and that it undergirds um all of the inequities that we see, then I don't think we will move forward. So. That's an interesting point about the, the young folks. You know, they, they have grown up in and have somewhat created their own digital and technological system That's right. that in and of itself mm-hmm. challenges those old notions. That's right. And the kids of the 50s and the 60s did the very same thing. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it is this upheaval when we don't get to the root cause. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we look at 1964, and I keep going back to the Civil Rights Act, but we look at 1964 and think that it just happened, but in 1954, we had Brown versus Board of Education. And all of those milestones that led up to that moment. And so if you look at our overall history, this is not 
something that just happened. Right. These issues and killings that people didn't pay attention to led to this very moment. And because we were forced to be at home, it exploded. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm guilty of this myself. I think we too often only think about the medical side of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much what my whole class at, at the College of Public Health is about. Right. Um, although I have integrated a little bit of this. We often forget about the dental side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that in addition to your day job, you also serve on the Delta Dental Foundation Board. And you have some ideas about how to pivot some of the work that the foundation has previously done to be more focused on addressing disparities. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it's, yeah. an, it's a very exciting time. Um, you know that Delta Dental of Arkansas's foundation um funded our fluoridation project, and that was transformational yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. And so, you know, as that started to come to a close. Bringing up old stories I there, right? hard-fought battles. I know. <laughs> as that was coming, as that funding opportunity was coming to a close, we had a conversation at the foundation level of what's next? What do we do? We had a we have a history of um, providing funding for dental clinics, and mm-hmm. we continued to do that, and it became transactional. Not that it was bad, but it was just what we were accustomed to doing. And so we started to question ourselves about, are we really getting to the root cause of issues? Meaning we see that we are funding clinics, but there is a reason why people are people need to have free dental care. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we need to start to address the root cause. And so we started to shift our conversations at the foundation to being much more transformational. And that transformation means addressing the social determinants mm-hmm. of health and getting with our fellow foundations to solve those issues of poverty and making sure that we ask ourselves the proper questions to get to the solution. And so it's it's exciting. We have a new executive director. I say new. I mean, she's been there probably <laughs> over a year. But she is helping um, to helping us through this work, and we are examining ourselves so that we can play a better part in solving these issues in the state. I think it's great. That's great, and work. you're you're bringing the work that you do at Central Arkansas Water right. and the work that you do. Outside. I never leave it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you asked me that earlier, and I think I I um, didn't answer that, but I like this is my life it's my moral compass and yeah. so wherever i go i do the same type of work just because it's it's who i am and it's it's what i lead do. with your heart that's yeah. right i do I so do. final question yeah. for you what in your career thus far uh is your most proud achievement oh <laughs> so um i would say being able to do this work every day. There's not one single thing. Mm-hmm. It is the culmination of learnings, of growth, and of exposure to be able to have an impact in public policy in Arkansas, right? Yeah. So it it's the work. Right. That is my greatest achievement is the ability and the opportunity every single day to do this work. Right. For for the people that you love That's here in right. this for state. For my I'm home state, for my way, home right? city. I am Arkansas yeah. and I am Little Rock. And so I'm I'm blessed every day that I get to do this. That's great. Tamika, 
Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a fantastic conversation, and I'm glad it came early in the episodes because I wanted to talk about these issues for a long time, and I appreciate you being here. Well, I appreciate you for being thoughtful and bringing this, these issues to bear, so thank you. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System, for allowing us to use their studio to record our podcast. If you have any topics you would like us to consider putting on our list to cover in the next few months, please email us at achi at achi.net. Thanks for listening.